Hey guys, before we get started today, I just wanted to give a shout out to our newest supporters of the Great Romance Podcast, Mitchell Vernati, Darlene Heck, Kelsey Ross, Tim Bromley, and Jake Phillips. Thank you guys so much for donating monthly and supporting this podcast so we can bring you new and exciting shows. You too can be a supporter monthly. Uh, The bronze level gets you early exclusive content. That's 99 cents a month. The silver level gets you 5% off all TGR purchases on our website and a sticker. That's $4.99 a month. And the gold level gets you 10% off of all TGR purchases and a TGR podcast t-shirt. So support us. Uh, Check us out. Go to anchor.fm backslash matt-volmer, V-O-L-L-M-A-R, to support today. Thank you guys so much. And here's the podcast. Hey guys, this is Matt with the Great Romance Podcast, and we're going in the Wayback Machine today. I have a treat for you because this man was the very first Nashville producer that the Great Romance, at the time, the Max Power Band, that's right. Ever worked with guys. That's right. This is David Browning. Hi, oh, David Browning. <laughs> how are you, sir? Oh my how, goodness. How that are you? That was probably man? like 45, 50 years ago, something it, like that. It sometimes feels like that. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But what's fun about you and I is like, you know, we might not talk for a little bit. Right. But every time we talk, it kind of is like no time like we can just kind of jump back into you pick up on chapter 14 and you go to 15 (laughs) or 16 and then the next time we talk it we pick up there yeah yes and life has changed a lot and we're going to talk about um there's one thing that david well david's working on a ton of things but something (laughs) we definitely want to get into it's called crowd music and we're going to talk about that so where we want to start with, and I don't know where this is going to go, David. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I need to sign some liability waivers you, or something in advance, I feel. Oh, and remember, man. there's editing, so it's okay. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, <laughs> um, Lord, for digital audio. Oh. <laughs> so um, I, I think that um, what happened was uh, we had a manager at the time yes. Yes. named Todd Stewart. Yes, yes. And so Todd had started to talk to like some labels. And so the thing we always kind of joke about, and again, we can joke about this. We're friends. It's fine. Right. Absolutely. We were just not ready for that, man. Like, <laughs> like we were so young and like out young. the gate learning things. I get it. Um, And so the fact that he got a meeting with anyone right, is right. pretty impressive and awesome. But I remember sure. he came back and he's like, you know, I'm meeting with Otto Price yep, from yep. Word Records. Yeah. And so they sat down and so he said, what you need to do is you need a demo and you need right. um, three good songs. Yep. And so he's like, you need to use somebody down here. Mm-hmm. And so I think he gave Todd, I want to say he gave him three names. Probably, yeah. I don't remember those other people. <laughs> I I remember we listened to their stuff and yours stood out to us. Oh, I thought you were going to say I had a profound effect on you and it wasn't necessarily positive <laughs> or something. You know? So, Do you know what's funny uh-huh. is I think we listened to your stuff first. 
<laughs> and then we started, and we listened to the other stuff, but it okay, was like, okay. it was like, nah, nah, it's it's got to be the first guy. Wow. And so we did not know you. Yeah, and that's remember right. again, all new. And yeah. so we, I think we came to your house, or did yes. we go? Out, did we go out to eat? Too? We may have gone out to eat first, and then okay. I think when we started the process, you all came to my house because that was kind of, you know, where the industry was turning, where so much more could be done in homes, and yes. and even now it's it's accentuated so much further to where, you know, unless you are on super high budget records, using outside studios anymore rarely happens you know you know what it's funny that you say that that's a really good point that wasn't the norm that's really correct. at all that people that's right. would have a setup like you had yeah in your home and now like yeah that's that's the norm david you're a, you're a trendsetter buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i don't know if that's good or bad but that's but that at is, that time really. i was a, yeah and it and it really stemmed from me being uh more of a keyboard programmer type thing that was kind of when you know when i moved to nashville in 95 things were beginning to transition where sounds were getting better samples and things mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and i just kind of went all in that and and believed i, I put all my money on on red and yeah. Yeah, spun the roulette wheel that it was going to the digital world there were going to be very few live instruments unless it was a very high-end project and and meant to be that way and i dug in even before things sounded good you know and yeah. and just went down that road and i was thankful i did but that also you know for better or worse influenced <laughs> on how i worked with you all because that's kind of what i was accustomed to and i right, remember right. us going into a studio to get nothing more than just drums yep. you know and yep. and then you know i th- i think what was interesting about that situation is looking back you know we all are like we're gung-ho we're excited we're going <laughs> in and you all admitted okay we're young i have to admit i was young in the process too you know right. you always you know you look back now and it's like oh my gosh if i would have known one tenth uh, back then <laughs> that i know now and i'm oh, still man. learning you know right um, but but that being said what a great experience for just a bunch of wild horses to to try yeah. to get together and make something happen you know well, it, it, it was and it's funny that you say that because like i'm literally now having memories of in that studio and chad that was his first time in a studio yeah, playing drums exactly and and learning and like he wouldn't mind if i said this like sure you know what playing in a studio is and playing yeah. on an album as opposed to playing live it's which, so different which i don't know if you remember this a lot of it was hey man do less yeah. Hey man, yeah. do simplify. Less. And that was new because it was like, right. well, wait a minute, but that's not what I would do live. Well, right, because you're you're right. You're filling live. all the space and entertaining. You're exactly yes. right. Um, and and that's something I'll often tell younger uh, producers now. The things that I've learned over the years. There's two major things I always uh, confess out of my mm. own production sin, so to speak. <laughs> um, the the first one is make sure that your parts are simple. You know, if mm. you listen to the great ones like Mutt. Lang, who produced all the Def Leppard and ACDC and Shania Twain and all that, 
every part is simple, but every part is memorable. And right. it's not filling up this recording with hundreds of thousands of instruments. It's like, here's the main guitar part. Here's the second guitar part. Now, granted, there's tons of tracks, right. but the actual parts are very simple, very memorable. The person who's checking you out at McDonald's is going to be able to sing it within yeah. three minutes, you know, yeah. and that's very important. The other one is don't overproduce. Your talent always mm. has a limited amount of energy and the moment you start wearing that energy out you're trying to go for the perfect take but you're you're taking off all the nervous energy and the cool character in the process so it's better to grab it as it's heading up the mountain as opposed to oh we've got perfection at the top of the mountain now we're going to grab the killer take on the way down and you've you've lost all the vibe i hope the kids are listening to this <laughs> like like i really do because i think there's a ton of value in this especially what you just yeah. said about the amount of takes yes because yes. i remember again please guys like you know david and i are definitely older than we used to be sure and so sure. we're we're trying to go back in the annals of history right now but what <laughs> what's I remember, your name again I can't, who am i talking to yeah i feel like we're the guys in the balcony on the muppets that's right <laughs> shut up kids yeah well, that's right um but i remember um so we we wrote together a song yeah. called i find you yes yes and so oh this was another first of of mine where you know, I, I have a higher voice, but people yes. get confused that I'm very loud. Right. And sometimes they assume that's singing high. Right. When in fact, it's I'm actually just really loud and I can right. sing those notes that I can sing loud Absolutely. and high. That's but I'm right. not like a first tenor. I'm not. And right. so I remember on I Find You, <laughs> we start recording it. And, and somebody who described that song to me one time, they're like, hey, that song just keeps getting higher, doesn't it? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so imagine being in the studio, and I remember, yeah. you know, and I didn't know you that well, and I was like, no, um, no. hey, man, so, like, what am I going to do when I have to sing this live? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I don't have this night after night because the thing you said to me, and I've remembered this, yeah. you're like, well, when we record it, the higher we can go conveys more passion. That's right. So when you play it live... You can drop it an octave, buddy. I remember you Absolutely. telling me that. Uh, yeah. You can drop it. And, you know, tracks were also new Yes, at the time. yes. Those were some of the first songs that we played with backing tracks. That's right. That's and right. you know what I think we used at the time? I think we used an iPod. And I think <laughs> yes. I, I think we got the tracks and they were split on the sides and we would oh, and we man. would plug it into a line and that's how we would play it on, oh, on like heavens. an iPod Nano sometimes. Oh like yeah, just a little guy. absolutely. But I remember you saying that to me and I was like, dude, I don't, I can't do this. And you're like, no, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. This is for the recording. That's right. But that's you were right. right because if we would have dropped that song. Yeah, the energy dissipates. Oh, it you know? lost it. Man. Yeah, it was absolutely, like, uh. absolutely. And and you know, it's funny as I get older and now I see the bands that I grew up with that are heroes, and I'll see YouTube videos or see performances. I'm like, yeah, that's not in the original key, dude. You drop that a step and a half. Ah. And and because of that, that nervous energy is gone. You know, yeah. it it yeah. really is. You know, you go back and listen to the recordings, and 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 that's a whole thing. Uh, you know, that I was attempting to get with you and everybody else right. it's like listen you've only got to get it right once that's yeah. it that's it yep. you know if we convey a phenomenal recording i don't care what you do live you can you can make it right. whatever you want you can make it a polka version 
musician. That's great. Whatever your audience wants. But for the recording, we have to pull out of you the absolute best we can. We only got to do it once, once right. You know, it may take us 50 times to get the right one. But when it's there and it's magical, I mean, that Mm -hmm. becomes timeless. And, And I think that's the difference today between going after something timeless as opposed to putting out something disposable. And, yes. and part of that has to do with our industry and the current state it's in. You know, there is so little money to be made. Everybody is making, and and I don't want to discredit the quality. Quality is great, but everything is disposable now. We listen to music as a background noise track to our lives yeah. as opposed to consuming music the way we would a fine wine or a great steak or something like that. Yeah. Right now, I always call it soda pop and potato chips. You know, that's that's really how we consume yep. music at this point. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, to whether it was right or wrong, we were attempting to get the very best we could in yes. hopes that 25 years from now, people would still be like, gosh, that was a great recording, you know? Yeah, and and what's funny that you say that, it segues into this. I've told you this before, so you you wrote a song for us called Spent. <laughs> I forgot about that, yes, and, that's right. And, and I have said this as a joke, but I also mean it. I feel if Mercy Me would have sang that song, or, so, or someone who was bigger, I honestly think, it it had the potential well, of being this this hit because and and I don't know if you remember like what you described to me as was you were at a men's Devo that's group, right right yes do you, do you remember like, I remember the from? whole story yes share it, dude, it, share yeah it. absolutely so it was a Bible study I was doing with like four or five hundred guys and it was at like five in the morning for like a whole semester it was crazy so we'd all walk in there half asleep and they'd do like a 40 minute kind of sermon type thing and then we had mm-hmm. breakout groups and the one day was about how we were living our lives how we were leaving the earth better than it was and things like that and the main guy he went around and he's like all right you get one word on your tombstone what's it going to be and some of them were like you know faithful some were like you know passionate and we get down to one guy and he goes spent and it's like what the heck do you mean by spent you know and he's like i want to know that the day i die i've given everything i had in every aspect of my life and all that and and all of a sudden i was like holy cow that should be all of our life's missions you know be it in christianity be it in our our work lives be it in how we love our spouses how we nurture up kids whatever it is we should go after everything and at the end of the day or the end of our lives or whatever it is just be completely spent you know nothing left in the tank there's so much power in it and what's funny is you know like like that song was the first song um because we had been trying to crack radio right here in in the midwest (laughs) for a while yeah and i remember sending that song uh to uh uh, wbgl wcic it's a it's a station that's all throughout illinois and i remember i had sent it and i hadn't heard anything for a little bit and I, we were on the road going to Michigan, and I got this email, and dude, it was like, I mean, the length of the email. It was really long. I was like, oh, wow. man. This is either one of those, hey, it's probably time for you to hang it up, <laughs> which, which honestly, that's probably, that's probably where I was leaning to. Um, like, that's what I thought was going to happen. But he wrote the nicest email, and he wow. said, we've been watching you guys grow over the past, I want to say like six to eight years. And he's like, we've given you advice and like, you never got angry at us. You'd always take it and learn and grow. 
And he said, this is the song we've been waiting for from you guys. Wow. And that was the song that you wrote, dude. Amazing. And, and just like that song live, everything you just said, it encapsulates that to people wow. of what are you, what are you living for, man? And like yeah. when you, I always described it as when I get to heaven and I don't want to have the energy to run through the pearly gates. Yeah. I want to yeah. be exhausted for the That's cause right. of Christ. Here's my and hand. So, just drag me through. Yeah. yeah. Man, whatever it takes. <laughs> and, and, and actually Mark, Lindsay and I were talking about this today, like so easily when you start to get older in ministry, yep. it's easy to go, well, I have worked. I, right. I have done things and I, you know, I taught Sunday school and I did this and I'm, right. and I'm exhausted. Yeah. I want a little break. And what Lindsay and I are finding out at our church, and maybe you know this too, yeah. you're not dead yet. Right, that's right. And there right. are things that you can do that, that honestly God needs you to do because these people have lived life longer than us. That's right. And they can pass on this information of like, well, here's what happened you know, when, when I did this. Because that's the right. more I read in Scripture, you know, everybody wants to say, well, that was the Bible days and that was blah, blah, blah. Right. Humans are humans are humans that's are right. humans. That's right. And, it, and it, it, there are relevant lessons regardless of whether we have a cell phone in our pocket or that's you know, right. they had a tube television. That's and right. so that song, literally, man, just, you know, it carried so much weight. I, I remember listening to it when you first, like, played it for us, like, <laughs> demo. I was like, man, you know, this is wow. this is the guy. So, let, hey, let me ask this real quick, because okay. I, I know who you are. But, like, <laughs> like in, in a little kind of a summary, or take, take your time, however long you want yeah. to like. I know you started playing. Like, that's what you were sure, doing first, right? Sure, So, like, yes. who were some people you played for, and yeah. how did you transition to Absolutely. Studio? Absolutely. So, so just going to the Wayback Machine, I grew up in Missouri. I was a farm kid, you know, yeah, you way did. up in yeah, northeast Missouri, up near Kirksville, Missouri, where Truman State's at. Grew up in a little town, 1,200 people, you know, corn, soybeans, cows, pigs. They were all my <laughs> friends, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, but I had a cool mom who at age three or four was starting to help me play piano a little bit. And by age five or six, she's like, would you like to take piano lessons? So I was like, sure. And I hated it for the the first three or four years like everybody else <laughs> right, and then you right. get to a point where it starts becoming fun and you can play some of the things you hear on the radio and all that stuff and i went on to become a saxophone major in college but the whole thing was everybody I did not know that yes yes i was wow. a saxophone major scary you know hmm. uh but the crazy thing is back then and, and it may just be a Midwest thing. It was the idea of like, oh, we're so glad you're doing music and you'll make a great music teacher. But, you know, it's just too hard to break in the industry. You know, yeah. music should yeah. be a good hobby for you and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I just had the audacity to say, I'm going to make it. I yeah. don't care. I don't care how long it takes, you know, and and I just kept pursuing and pursuing and pursuing. And finally, around 1994 or so, I started getting calls from Nashville to audition for Margaret Becker and Al Denson and all the various folks of the day. And I'm like, okay, I'm this kid living in Columbia, Missouri, and I'm getting calls from Nashville. This is crazy. So in 95, I moved down, immediately went out for a hundred and some dates with Al Denson on the road with him. And of course, we were doing shows with For Him and Point of Grace. And, yeah. and I'm like, I hit it. I'm here, you know. Yeah. But, you know, you, at that point, I was like, 
can't rest on the laurels, can't get comfortable right. here. So right. I began, I in, in spring of 96, I'll never forget it. It was transformative to me in every way. Al, uh, I am so grateful for him. You know, there's, there's days where I hated him because he wouldn't pay us <laughs> enough or we'd have to set up all our own gear, play an incredible show and tear it all down at midnight and then hop on the bus and at 7 a.m. be at the next city 400 miles away doing the whole thing again for 85 part, bucks a day. Yeah, The part that nobody talks about, kids. That's right. I hope you're listening to that. <laughs> This is the glamorous yeah. music rock star lifestyle. Rock star. You know? I remember the first three weeks of being on the road, I was sick as a dog just oh, because no. we were working so hard. And oh, and finally, no. I got conditioned and it was like working out again. You know, yeah, it was yeah. it was crazy. Um, but I'll I'll never forget April of '96. We were in uh, Sulphur Springs, Wyoming, and after the show, he's like, "Hey, let's go get a burger." And it was just me and him in a vehicle that we borrowed from the church. And he's like, "So what do you want to do?" And I was like. I don't know. I'm kind of doing it. And he's like, no, 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 no. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I don't know. And he's like, no, that's not the answer. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I would, I would love to produce and write. He's like, why are you not doing it? Mm. And I was like, cause I'm out here with you and this is great and all that. And he's like, no, mm. he's like, this is not the end game. You need to, you need to invest. You need to push forward. I'm going to keep you as a keyboard guy, but you've got to start building something. Mm. And at that point, I spent the next week figuring out what a home studio would look like. And it was about 12,000 bucks. Nobody was doing it. And so I took out a $12,000 loan with my very gracious parents' help and uh, bought a the very first Pro Tools system. It was called Pro Tools Project. It was eight <laughs> channels. Oh, um, eight channels. Eight channels, <laughs> all eight tracks to record to, and digital <laughs> performer. And then I had, of course, my keyboards that I had on the road. But mm. I began doing publishing demos for $200 a song for Word and all these folks. You know, all these writers would bring me their tune, and I'd program them and record them for 200 bucks. Well, then that works you into, hey, we need you to program on records. We like that. And hey, now, do you have any songs you've written? Because we're looking for some tunes and now you're getting songs on records. And so it just kept working up. And finally, by 99, 2000, I started producing on some some various things and uh, had some had some hits, you know, and yeah. stuff like that on various groups that kind of were there and, and then gone again. Uh, but uh, one of the little gals that I got to develop along the way was this girl named Katie Hudson I met. She was like 15, 16, and we spent about three years kind of working on a Christian record and then writing afterwards, and I'd take her fishing, and we'd, we'd do all these fun things, and, and finally she moved to L.A., and a handful of years later, she's like, well, it's been hard. You know, I've had two cars repossessed. I don't know if this is going to work. I got one last shot on Epic Records. I got a song coming out called I Kissed a Girl. I don't know if it'll do anything. Thing, and all of a sudden Katie blew up, you know. And uh, oh my god, and, I'm you know, so glad you shared that. Three hundred gonna... million dollars later in the bank, Katie oh, is doing man. okay. I think so. I think she's yeah, she's, yeah. she's I think she's gonna make it. That kid, <laughs> exactly. It. But it, but it was interesting because it was it was kind of graduating up through this process, and then I got to spend a couple years off and on working with Diane Warren, who was the biggest songwriter of our our time. You know of yeah. of the late 90s for sure you know with all the big Celine Dion hits and I'll never forget she would have a number one hit and a number two hit and then the next week they'd flip-flop the one would be number two and the other one would be number one on the pop charts she was just that good she's worth 
Well, I can tell you this. She, I remember when she had an offer from EMI to buy her existing catalog up. Uh, it was what she had written up till about 2001, 2002. They offered her $300 million for that catalog, and she laughed at them and turned them down, said, said they weren't even close. So um, she's the only writer for her company and well worth close to a billion dollars now. So... I wish it's, this moment wasn't a podcast so you could see the jaw that I'm picking up <laughs> off the ground. Bum, bum, bum. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow, so, uh, you know, I, I, I've i had a good run. I've, yeah, I've worked man. behind the scenes on a lot of stuff. It's been great. But um, it's also not been easy. And you can attest mm-hmm. to this. It's, you know, it's, it's all glamour for the hour and 20 minutes you're on stage. Yeah. The other 22 and a half hours of the day, uh, 18 of those suck. And the other, yep. you know, three or four hours you actually have some fun so yeah yeah it's hard and i think that's why i've always appreciated your friendship is because when i am going through something like that like you you always are very empathetic to me so Uh, like when when i'm in those you know it's a roller coaster it is it is on top and and one thing that you've always reminded me of well you've always been positive with me dude like whenever Mm -hmm. i'm like man, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing this and maybe I need to do this at church. I I mean, I remember you saying, you were like, hey man, why can't you lead worship at a church and still do yeah. that? You were one of the people who said that to me. I was Absolutely. Like, well, how will my music thrive? That's right. That's right. All of my and you're like, and now everybody's doing it. Everybody's yeah. doing it, man. <laughs> and and just like the the things of like when I would say, well, David, I don't know, man. We're we're only playing ninety to a hundred dates a year, right? And you would be like, dude. And you're not paying a record label a portion that's right. of that. You're that's not right. paying your. Re- like yeah. you're you're already I I think this is a lesson and this is something you taught mm-hmm. me when you when you keep looking forward and you have these goals yeah, that's right sometimes you you're so like looking down the road yeah you never realize what's right in front of that's you that's right and, and in essence you're like what was your goal Matt well yeah. I wanted to be a professional musician right and you'd be like but but you are you are that's you're right just not it's it's this I think sometimes and like young people again they get caught up in like, well, what does that mean? And I right, think sometimes they, right. they think it's fame. Yeah. And so I, even even Chad, our old drummer, was that way. Yeah. He's like, I just want to play drums for a living, man. I don't yeah. care how it happens. Right. But he used to think it was, so I have to be Toby Max drummer. Right. And right. now he plays drums down in Texas at yeah. like Gateway, a huge That's church right. in Texas. Yeah. That's all he does. And, and he teaches drum lessons. Amazing. That's he's what doing he does. It. That's he's right. He's doing exactly what he always wanted to do. That's right. You're doing what you wanted to do. I'm doing right. what I want to do. And I just yeah. hope that anybody who listens to that who has dreams of this That's right. is like, don't get locked into what it means to quote unquote make it. Right. Right. Stop getting locked into that. Wouldn't you agree with that? No, absolutely. So here's here's the fine line uh in the definition of musical successfulness. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we look at the itty bitty little part of it, maybe the 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 eight percent of the of the paradigm as fame and fortune, how we look to others, our success amongst our peers, Mm -hmm. when actually we need to look at the other 92% is this is a business for me. How do I structure myself and present myself as a business so that I don't go broke in the process? And it's taken me forever to learn that, you know, Mm -hmm. because, you know, success to peers 
it, it might be great for a moment and you have a hurrah, you know, and a slap on the back with your buddies, but then it goes back to, oh, wait a second, I was just flavor of the month. That was it, you know? Right. And if you're not looking ahead and thinking that I am a business entity, you know what? You can be there with the pom-poms and shaking them and realizing <laughs> nobody else is looking at you and it's over. You're, you're forgotten yeah. about. And yeah. and we can we can look at examples of people who were who were there for a moment, who were the biggest thing since sliced bread, and now we can't even tell you the last time we've seen them on TV or anywhere right. else. And same right. with producers, same with songwriters. You know, um, I have a very dear friend who's had 20 number one hits, and this is partially due to the industry, but now as a side gig, he's delivering pizzas as well. You know, it's it's you. It, it's a hard, hard, hard business. It's not like yeah. you go to school, you go get a banking job, you put your retirement away, and at age 64, mm-hmm. you go off and you get to travel with your wife. This is an evil, hard, destructive business where yeah. you hear no 999 times out of 1,000 oh, and that yeah. any of us survive. You know, yeah. So we have to think business-minded. We have to be shrewd. We have to be... Uh, you know, it's great to look out for one another, but nobody else is going to look out for you either. You have to, you have to be a smart business person. Yes. Yes. I, I agree with you. And I think what people get lost on is they look at the minority. So they look at the small percentage of, and and let's just take the genre of Christian music. Yep. So they look at Toby Mac, Chris Tomlin, Mercy Me, and, and, and like 10 groups. Okay. They look at them and they go, well, they did it. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, so they are, if, if even one percent right. of all Christian bands in the world, mm-hmm. maybe one percent. Mm-hmm. And so we go now. Now here's the deal: it is possible, and to also dream is is great. Absolutely. Just like Katie Hudson, right? You know, she could have given up, and yep. she became Katy Perry. That's so right. It happens. You and I are not saying. Right. And the lesson of today, kids, is give up <laughs> and go get a nine to five job. We're just saying if you're if you prepare yourself right. for right. like you said, being told no a yeah. thousand times because the one thousand and, and first time That's might right. be a yes. Might be the yes. That's right. exactly right. But if you can't handle rejection. That's right. That's uh. that's huge right there. And you bring up a great point, and it's kind of what I'm living with crowd music, which we'll get into shortly. But the the threshold of pain that you have to live out to survive in this business, you know, is not easy. Everybody sees all the good stuff. They see mm-hmm. the the pictures in the magazines or the television interview, or they see you playing the arena, but they don't realize that it took you six years, eight years, 15 years of literally six months prior to that, you might've been driving in a van realizing I can't pay my players and I have enough gas to get to the next destination. I hope we make enough that we can put gas in the tank and I have enough to pay my guys. Cause if not, what do I do? Do I go home and sell my house? I mean, do I sell the van we're traveling in? Those are very realistic 
you know, scenarios. And most people don't have a tolerance for that. No, so, no. so it's easier for them to say, listen, I want to be comfortable. I want to have some nice things and all that. Whereas, you know, folks like us who have, you know, been cut from the cloth where it's like, I'm taking on the world and I'm going to be bloody and bruised in the process. But I right. know this is my end game. This is what I was built to do. I have to do it. And, right. you know, I, I often talk uh, with friends, it's like God just has a weird way of making a call in the word, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's Moses, whether it's Noah, whether it's Paul, you know, whatever it is. And then having a season where that calling doesn't come into place, it's more of a preparation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like with uh, uh, Moses, you know, I think the timeline was like the burning bush to when he stood before Pharaoh was something like 13 or 15 years or something right. like that. Right. You know, Noah didn't build an ark overnight. You know, right. that took a lot of time. Right. And I think that's just it. As most people think, hey, I'm going to become a musician. And all of a sudden, well, wait, three weeks in, I'm not doing it. Or a year in, I'm not doing it. Three years in, I'm not doing it. They're saying Nashville now is a 10-year town. If you were to move here today, by 2030, you're finally going to have success. And most people are like, I can't wait that long, you know? I 100% believe that. And and, and that's it. And you met met my guitar player, Chase. Yes, uh, yes. Super talented guy. He has his own studio, blah, blah, blah. I remember him as a young kid telling me, so my timeline... Right. Is eight years. Yeah. And yeah. I remember, like, you know, I, th- I think he was just graduating college. Mm-hmm. So, you know, er- early early 20s or anything right. like that. And just going, I understand yep. that this is how long it will take to achieve my goals and also understand that it still doesn't, there's no guarantees. That's but right. But he was prepared to be like, so I'm going to have to, you know, That's point right. A to point B to point C <laughs> to point D to point, all these things. That's right. And so I think, I hope that's as people listen to this, because there are a lot of musicians that listen to this stuff. Absolutely. And, and they are like, what did you do? And all I ever right. tell people, and I'm sure you're the same way, I always tell them what worked for me. Right. But I also say, but that doesn't mean it will work That's for right. you. That's, That's right. what worked for me. And here are the things that I prioritize. Here are the right. things I thought better. And I do always say this. Yep. We had really crappy music, okay? Right, I we, get it. We weren't writing a lot of good music. We had to get over ourselves right. and start writing with people like you and people in Nashville who could take... We had some talent. Absolutely. It was just, it was just like a lump of clay. Right. And so once we could get over ourselves and go, you know, we're really best at performing live right absolutely and we have to develop as a songwriter that's right and so that's the thing is to check your ego at the door right right if you can do that and start learning from people who have gone through different scenarios that we hadn't even gone through yet like like you had to be like well i know that this song will will play well live well how would you know that david (laughs) well because i've played live for 10 years so What if you, you know, and you, and you no, were, I totally get it. You were never totally a punk to us, man. You were no, always sweet no, and very, no. I mean, like you remember Ronnie. Oh Ronnie, my heavens. Yes. It was like yeah. 16 playing yes, keys and all yes. this was new. Hey, and I will say this thing, cause I do want to talk about crowd music. One thing I have to talk about, you also were the person who taught me about the three hour lunch because, <laughs> be, because I remember again, it was all new and you know, yeah. We would work. And I know that some people think, what did you do? Sit on a couch while Chad played on the drums and wait your turn? Right. Sometimes, yes, that is yes, what I Yes, sometimes. Yeah. But we were working. And so right. you were like, look, 
if we don't detox for a little bit, right, um, we're not going to be sharp, right. And and you as a producer, when you hear things back, it just kind of starts to sound like like right. noise. That's right. And so you were like, hey man, I just have to unplug from yeah. the matrix for a little bit. That's right. That's and right. You, dude, you took us to some some good. Places. I remember <laughs> I remember eating at this like it was an old schoolhouse or something. Yes, we yes, we have that down here, old school cafe. That's oh, right. That's that was right. good. And then where did we have? The Lobster Po' Boys. Oh, um, that place is gone now. But yeah, that that was that remarkable. was Ronnie's favorite. Oh gosh, yes. yeah, absolutely. Um, so I love that, that place. And we could talk about that for way too long. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to move well, on. Well, and <laughs> you bring up a very good point, and and I'll give you a great Katie Hudson example, Katy Perry example. We were working on a tune, and it was vocal day, and literally she wasn't getting it. She wasn't getting it. She wasn't getting it. And literally, I bet I had her under the ringer six or seven hours trying to get wow. this vocal. Which shame on me. I should have known thirty <laughs> minutes in it wasn't going to work. Right. And but being young, you know, it's like no, we got to push through. We got to push through. We're going to get it. And finally, I was like, Do you want to go to a movie? She's like, yeah. She was almost in tears. And I was like, let's go see a movie. And so we went and saw a movie. And she came back. And I said, can we try that vocal again? She's like, yeah. 45 minutes had all the vocals, all the Man. backgrounds, everything done. So Man. so literally, there's that point of diminishing returns. And the earlier you figure that out, you know, uh, it's, it's not a sin to take those three-hour lunches or go see a movie when right. you should be working. Because all you're doing is, is basically kind of preparing uh the the mindset of like okay clear head great yeah. disposition can knock it out confidence is back it's all good because it's part of the process and i think it is until you are until you sit in on that right um even trying to describe it to my family you know right. uh, my wife Lindsay, she always would laugh because you know she sees the pictures we're posting yeah and she's like <laughs> i I thought I thought you were recording today, and it's like well, we are. And she's like, "Why have you posted three restaurants that you've?" That's been right. To? That's right. And it's like yeah. you have to understand. We need to do it. So, so I, yep. yeah. I hope I hope people get that lesson as well. So absolutely, crowd music. Yeah, is is your <laughs> baby? Uh, you and some yeah. guys, right? Do you want to like right. explain what it is and then sure. kind of talk about that a little bit? Sure, absolutely. So, and and you have lived out the industry. You've seen when it was really good monetarily oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, the very interesting thing is as the development of the MP3 and eventually then that became Napster and for the end user, the fans of music, oh my gosh, it's incredible. I have this library around the world of each and every song I've ever grown up on, every song that I love, always wanted to own. Now I can have it for free. Right. So the problem is when something is free, that means somebody is not getting paid for it. So you wouldn't walk into a restaurant and have everybody getting free food or you wouldn't go to your local gym and work out and everybody there work out for free. They wouldn't be in business very long. No. Sadly, the music industry is the one industry and I can't think of another, honestly, that has basically succumbed to this idea that recorded music no longer has value. That's just mm. your little calling card to help you get gigs. And then that's yeah. where you make your money is doing live shows. 
Well, isn't it interesting that all of a sudden we have this coronavirus thing and now we don't make money on recorded music and now we don't make money on live shows. So what's Mm -hmm. left for creatives? How do we make money? And everybody says, well, I don't want a world without music. You know, that Mm. would be terrible. I can't live my life. And just ask Bill and Ted. They knew. That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And, and you know, what's interesting is the industry I feel like, and, and dare I say more importantly, the tech industry has choked the golden goose trying to get as many eggs as it can out of it. Oh, yeah. Not realizing they have basically put it on life support at this point. So basically what crowd music is, uh, my business partner, Mike Castronovo, who comes from the business world, from wealth management, he he plays with numbers the way you and I play with notes. It's, It's truly magical to watch him work. His daughter came to Belmont probably seven years ago. I did an EP on her, much the way I did with you all early on. Mm -hmm. And at that point, he said, this sounds incredible. We love it. It's phenomenal. What do we do next? And I said, I have no earthly idea where to, to send you. I don't know where to tell you to put it out. I it's I know this sounds like a bait and switch because here I, you know, did a project for you and now I'm saying I don't know what to do with it. And so he began his own kind of self-discovery of what is the industry all about? And he realized quickly, "Oh my gosh, you know, the industry is basically trying to eat its own tail in a lot yeah. of ways." And so one day and just kind of a fit of anger as he was talking to his daughter about her career. He's like, it's just a shame you can't pay your fans to promote your music. And when he said that, he's like, wait a second, why can't you? And so he sat down, wrote out a business plan, 36 hours straight, no sleep, looked at the numbers, said, this actually could work. Is anybody else doing it? He took the next six months, picked it apart. It got stronger and stronger. And then he said, why isn't anybody doing this? Realizing the the music industry can only see about four inches in front of its face at this point. So he comes at it from an outsider looking in saying, you have a problem here, 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 and here, and here, and here's the way to remedy it. So basically what it comes down to in a nutshell, crowd music allows creatives to make great money again, the way we did 20, 25, 30 years ago. And in the process, we are also paying music fans. So let's say, uh, you know, you have a new song that comes out, Matt, it's a new solo tune and I'm a huge fan of you, I'm already going to go on social medias and say, you've got to hear Matt's latest song. It's incredible. Or if I'm talking with a friend over coffee, I heard this new tune by Matt the other day. It's ridiculous. Mm. And they go and buy it or whatever. Well, now in our system, I would get paid for doing that. Mm. So basically fans become the marketing mechanism, which they're already doing for free. It's just in our system, we pay them to do it. So uh, as as they uh, push out, you know, artists and music and sales happen, they should get a cut of that. And that's how it works. So so here's here's kind of how it all works. It's basically you're an artist. You decide before your next single goes to Spotify, Apple Music, anything like that. Crowd music is basically the movie theater of the music industry. Hey, I'm going to put it out on crowd music exclusively for a limited time. If you want this song, it resonates with you and you love it. It's a buck. Go buy it. You'll love it. And while you're there, check out some of the other artists and all that. So your fans have a choice. This song resonates with me. 
me and the only place I can get its crowd, am I willing to part with a dollar for it? Yes or no. Or this song doesn't resonate with me, so I'm willing to wait for it until it comes out on streaming, be it two weeks from now, two months from now, two years from now. And we do that with movies in the theater. There's some where it's like, I got to see that opening weekend or I got to see it while it's in theater. And others are like, give me Saturday afternoon TV. It sucks. And I'll, I'll put it on as background noise. And that's the best analogy, by the way. Yes, absolutely. That makes the most sense to me. Absolutely. And the beautiful thing is while, uh, you know, people are coming over and purchasing your music, in the past, we would always get their email addresses. You know, everybody talks about their mailing lists, it oh, shows yeah. and all that. We electronically do that and we call them crowds. So now all of a sudden, Matt has his crowd of people mm. who has purchased his music. Well, the beautiful thing is they're not only there to purchase Matt's music, they're going to purchase other music that's on crowd, you know? Yeah. And as they do so, Matt now gets a cut of that action because he was the one who was kind enough to bring them to crowd music. Fans can do that as well. So all of a sudden, artists and labels and managers are like well wait a second you know i've got a fan base of five million people or we've got 10 artists with a cumulative fan base of 30 million or whatever what if we start releasing music here and all of a sudden we're bringing in all these fans and now we're making money off of artists that don't even aren't even on our label aren't even a part of our management company so it's it's kind of a melting pot of fans artists the whole industry working together and a rising tide raising all ships Everybody makes money in our system, mm. and uh, it it allows creatives to get paid what they deserve. We we play, pay, play by the letter of the law. We pay out mechanical royalties, what the current rate is, and all that stuff. But it allows fans, for the first time ever, to also stand in the shoes of those artists. And as they're successful, they get to make money, too. So mm. it's really just a barrel of fun and, uh, and allows everybody to prosper together. And you guys, like, you just dropped this fairly recently, correct? Yeah, so it's, and, and this goes back to how long things take. It took us three and a half years to get it yeah. off the ground. Um, and the end of April, we launched it. Now, the interesting aspect was, I just gave you the, the primary model. We mm-hmm. also had a live streaming aspect to it where, let's say, you all were uh, doing a cool show uh, that's in an underground cave in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And there's people all over the country. It's like, oh, my gosh, that would be a cool show to go to. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to fly to Louisville, Kentucky. Or maybe you have fans in France who are like, well, I could never go there, but that'd be cool to see. What right. we would do is you would obviously play that show, and there might be a few hundred people there, but you might have a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million worldwide who would be willing to pay five dollars, seven dollars, ten dollars, whatever it is, to right. watch you play that very cool show. So now you're not uh, only making you know, the limited amount of money by the size of the venue and the ticket prices there, you're Mm -hmm. now expanding your reach and your potential money's coming in because it's a wider reach. Well, with COVID happening and all that and tours getting canceled, our live streaming aspect all of a sudden became the forefront (laughs) of the company immediately. So now, yeah. So, and it's all ticketed. There's no free live streaming whatsoever and people love it. You know, we're, we're getting big country stars and even I saw last. So tomorrow night we have a country star, Ty Herndon, who's had a bunch of number one hits. Um, But we saw that last night, P 
people two days before the show are already tipping, already sending 20 bucks in and all that. Can't wait to see it. You deserve this, you know. And and so the people who really want to be there, who are buying tickets, who who are those super fans, will do anything in the world for an artist. We're having a ball. The artists having a ball. The fans are having a ball because we feel like. You know, we truly all want to be here and right. we're all working together. Right. It's it's just a different mindset all the way yeah. around. So No, I I think it's brilliant, uh, and mostly because I have a similar mindset of you yes. with watching the industry. Cause we like came along right when like yep. we were at the top of the mountain where you That's could right. still do fairly well and yep. literally it was starting to come down yeah you're I, you're seeing the mountains start to fall over yeah yes, that's right yes. that's um, right and so i i would ask this question so like if people want to find out more about crowd music like where would they go i yeah. know instagram yeah. uh, for no sure. yeah absolutely i mean our website is just crowdmusic.com and uh you know actually on your podcast if you want just post your link your personal okay. link they can follow that cost you nothing to sign up go okay. over there you'll end up putting your email in you'll create a password it'll ask you for a referral link matt is kind enough to to make you aware of it today Uh. you'll be a part of his crowd it'll be fun and then Uh. at that point you know check out crowdmusic.com look at some of the live streams look at the various artists on there we're getting more and more every day bigger names all the time um if there's stuff that you like buy it support an artist cost a buck for a tune some of these concerts are five bucks ten bucks we've got some huge concerts coming up soon not taylor swift huge but still big name huge so uh it's it's gonna be cool and and it's taking off and everybody this is this is the forefront a year from now it's gonna look a lot different and we're gonna be a household name jump aboard Mm -hmm. now while you can because you know it's that idea of like hey i was one of the first million on facebook and now look it's two and a half billion people worldwide later you know you can wear that badge and and not only that you can be building your crowds for free right now of like-minded individuals who enjoy great music well, because you and I have talked a couple times, and again, I I have like I remember three three and a half years ago. Yes. Like, hey man, this is a new idea, but it's a process, and that's yes. you know you have the you had the patience to be like, look, if we're going to launch it, we're, yeah. we we want to get it right before we just right. throw this out here. That, I mean, that's another life life lesson. It is musicians it is. and stuff like, hey man, put some time into it before you that's just right. go. I have to get content out. Well, what if that's the right. content is crap? Yeah, that's Wouldn't right. Wouldn't you rather like that's refine right. the process and put your best foot forward? That's uh, and, right. And actually, the other day I was talking, uh, I was doing some work at my church with one of my youth, and I I mentioned something about it, and he goes, "Oh, I know crowd music." So like, wow. you know, it's yeah. cool to think that. And I will tell you this, great romance fans, like we are gonna drop a single through crowd music. Yes, David, David and I, have, we've talked yeah. so much about it. I just haven't found the right. thing but i honestly well there was something i was talking to you about today and i think that might be the the way i go so we'll we'll talk we'll talk more about that but i I would like to support it too and when i post the podcast too we'll put a link up to it absolutely that's fantastic uh because that's what we got to do and that's and that's another thing i think david and i would tell people is like if you can make a community because we're a community you know that's right that's right um and instead of trying to climb on top of each other Mm -hmm. to get to the next level if when our brother or our sister drops something, 
if that's you right. Can throw a little bit of love, and if everybody did that, right, we're all going to be successful. Well, and that's and the here, thing. yeah, here's the crazy thing in the current industry. Let's say you and I are both Christian artists, and today is the day we drop our singles. We both probably have our own individual fans, but we probably have an o- a lot of overlap of yes. fans as well. Yeah. So in the current industry, I'm going to do everything I can to take away all your sales. I want right. all your fans to come by my song and not yours. However, right. on crowd because of the way the the thing is structured i still want everybody to buy my album but i'm telling everybody about your record and telling all my fans to go buy yours because the moment they buy your record you're prospering but i'm also getting a cut off of all the sales of your record and vice versa you're telling them about mine which is the beauty of this and it's, it's kind of like you're forcing not forcing, that's not the right word, but like guiding us to do things that like we really should be doing anyway. Absolutely. To help support each Absolutely. other. Because in the end, if the music industry thrives, that's right. then the music industry thrives. That's and right. If, and that's if it right. falls apart, no one's yeah. making music anymore well, anyway, and, uh, so what did it matter? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And going back to my friend who's delivering pizzas now, his biggest thing that he told us is he's like, you know, I'm doing this so many nights a week, and that's four or five hours a night. I can't be working on the next big song, you know. Yeah. And he's had huge number one hits, you know. Um, and and the whole thing is he's going to take songs to the grave with him that we do not get to enjoy right. and maybe become the song of our life or right. the song that we got married to or the mm-hmm. song when our, our son was born or whatever it is you know yeah, man. and uh, so this just allows everybody and now including the fans which we absolutely have to have to make everything work uh, it allows us all to work together have fun together put money in our pockets together and just just have a wonderful time with music again yeah I, I dig it guys check out crowd music all right and support awesome. artists because they need you or they can't make more content. Correct. That's, that's that's when you start to get upset, you know. That's as a right. Fan, that's right. Is well, why hasn't the great romance dropped an album in a while? Well, did did you buy our last one? No. <laughs> I didn't like that one. So I did So yep, you know, yep. it, it it is what it is. I think it's a thing of beauty. So we'll sure. we'll try to plug it. So here's here's the the last thing I have to ask you about. Um, <laughs> because this is super fascinating to me. So you have a son. <laughs> um, you have a son named Elijah, right? Yes, yes, yes. And Elijah has become a celebrity in his own it right. It is true. It is and true. And Elijah um, is is an American ninja warrior. That is true. And so, I I mean, you have to okay. talk about that. Okay. Because when you started posting little videos yeah. uh, um, of him training and yeah. things, and this was... Yeah. How long has he been like? Pursuing he's he's been this? actually doing this about five years now, and okay. and it's really kind of comical. So we have two sons. One is almost eleven, and Elijah's fifteen. They both do this. The eleven-year-old okay. is good at it, and he's mm-hmm. really great for his age. But Elijah is like right now in the past year, he's like world champion of one of the leagues. He just got called to be on NBC's American Ninja Warrior as a 15-year-old. Ah, awesome. Yeah, that's as so a 15-year-old. Awesome, yeah. uh, it just, all these things. But he's he's like that musician mindset of like, I got to put in the time if I want to see the results. Yeah. So here's, here's the beautiful story of this. So uh, growing up, my wife is fantastic in that she wants our kids to experience many different 
things in mm-hmm. the process of figuring out what they're really called to be or what they're uh, gifted shout, in. Shout out to Renee, who oh I haven't my seen gosh. in forever. Who is she great. is Sorry. superwoman. Yes, she's, yes. She's awesome. she, she is a marvelous human being, bigger <laughs> yes. than life. Yes. Um, so, of course... You know, you you go through the process of like, hey, let's put Elijah in soccer. And as you know, most three, four year olds, they're playing with with dirt on the ground rather than kicking the ball, you know, and okay, that's fine. What about summer baseball? Well, you have a kid who can't throw a ball and he doesn't know which end of the bat to hold. So that's not working. You know, well, what about flag football? Oh, he just got bonked in the nose with the football and there's blood everywhere. And okay, this isn't working well. So he's not athletically inclined. But But when he was eight or nine, he was watching American Ninja Warrior on TV and loving it, thought it was cool, you know, and of course, everything in the house became an obstacle. The back of the couch, you would jump from there to the rug, you know, and all that. Well, I I happen to have a friend here in town uh, whose, whose brother, you know, I used to produce projects with, but Travis had been on the TV show uh, several times for for several years. He's kind of just in the last year kind of retired from the event. But for six, seven, eight, nine years, he was on the actual show. And so I called him one day. I said, Elijah, I believe, is turning nine at this point or 10. I can't remember which. And I said, nothing would make him happier than if we showed up to like a Panera and you were there and we shared breakfast together and you could talk about it. He's like, I'm in. That's great. So sure enough... We show up, Elijah's jaw hits the floor. I, I have it where they're watching videos together. It just brings tears to my eyes. It's like, this was the beginning. So probably a month and a half after that, Travis calls me. He's like, hey, um, I'm thinking about, you know, just teaching some little kids ninja stuff. Might do some classes. Would Elijah like to do this? It's probably X amount a month and all that. And I told Renee, he was like, well, Elijah, you want to try it? He's like, yeah, of course. Well, all of a sudden, that was his thing. And, you know, he was okay, but probably about, you know, after five months of training, he went and did his first competition. He finished like second. And we're like, oh, well, good for you, buddy. And so Renee's like, you know, two months later, there's another competition. Finished second again. Finally, he starts finishing first. Finally, he starts finishing first again. Now every event he's doing, he's finishing first. Okay, as a 10-year-old, he's getting the 14-foot warped wall that's the one on TV. We're like, okay, there's something here. So fast forward, he's won all these huge nationwide tournaments he's won the state game the national state games which is the precursor to the olympics all these things and the kid looks like bruce lee takes off his shirt and it's like it's not fair that you have it looks like he has gills under his arms he's just ripped everywhere And, and just in the videos I've seen that you've oh, posted, oh my gosh. it's like what what his mu- his muscles have. Muscles. I know. <laughs> uh, it's like Aquaman. It's true. Has, yeah, man, it's crazy. It's true. It's crazy. But you know, I'll he'll get up. He is so driven as a fifteen year old. It's ridiculous. He'll get up and I'll be like, "What's today?" He's like, "It's pull day." Well, what's pull day mean? <laughs> oh, it's five hundred pull ups. It's uh, you know four hundred dips. It's seven hundred squats. Got to run two miles and then I got to train on the course for like five to six hours doing. Uh, salmon ladder and some of these other holds and stuff i'm like okay do a few for dad then you know i just threw up listening i know i know dude it's stupid 
So, uh, but but it's cool. He has a set of peers that he competes against, but they also all root for each other and drive each other. Oh, dude, and literally, great. as we're we're doing this podcast, he's in Colorado this week training with one of his buddies, who's a 14 year old, who uh, you know in his age bracket is number one in the world and very easily might be the best ninja warrior out of every adult and everybody right now so he really pushes wow. elijah and elijah pushes him so um it's it's funny it, this this kid he's training with just won a car and a huge competition like two weeks ago and and all this stuff and they were climbing hundred foot ropes together and all this it's it's like what in the world so yeah man so because, yeah it's crazy because would you have i mean well, no there's no way you couldn't because you didn't know it was a thing right How, you know you couldn't imagine like i think what my son will do one day right uh, is he'll be competing in american ninja that's warrior, right that's which, right like, when we were kids like you hear american ninja warrior and like we just think of like ninjas that throw right. chi- like right. stars and exactly have and wear all black outfits that's right so, that's uh, right or may- hey maybe elijah wants to be back in. i don't know maybe that's <laughs> well you never know towards. he might yeah um but just like and i wish you could have seen like because david and i are facetiming I wish you could have seen like how happy your face was as you're talking about your son, which which is the coolest thing. It's and a other, proud moment, you yeah, know? man. Yeah. And you should be. And and what's been crazy about us talking? Which, by the way, this has been an hour, and it's <laughs> it's we got to cut it down to twelve minutes. How do we well, do it's this? Cr- yeah. It's crazy to me because I because we probably could go longer, but yeah, the whole theme of what we've talked about, and we didn't set out to have a theme, has right. really just been like find what you love to do. Yeah. And put in the work and understand That's that it takes right. longevity. It so, is. Yeah. It's you know, it's the long game. You know, somebody said the other day when we launched, they said, congratulations, you made it to the mountaintop. How do you feel? Isn't that awesome? And I said, <laughs> yeah, it's nice. But you got to realize this is the first leg of the Tour de France. There's yeah. like 28 more days to go. And, yes. I, and I said, if we're on the mountaintop, all I can see are the mountains ahead. And I realized, you know what my next step is? It's going back down into the next valley. Yeah. It's not, you don't stay on the mountaintop. You got to go down into the next valley and then up the next mountain now that may be a shorter mountain it may be less time uh or you may find that it's even harder and literally uh, a week after we had uh launched it it was it was problematic again you know so um it never ends you just have you know i love the proverb and i'm paraphrasing here and i think it's 16 9 or 13 6 or something like that but it talks Mm -hmm. about we make the plan Uh, And God ordains the steps. Mm. Now, none of us ever walk a straight line between point A and point B. There's always zigzags in our path. God directs us because there's other people he wants us to connect with and meet with over here. And then he'll take us far left again because we have to sit over there and wait until some other or some other piece comes into play before he brings us back. This isn't just about us. It's about everybody in life, all the pieces fitting together. And we have to realize that our timeline is... 100% 100% not going to fit t- God's timeline unless we have the mind of Christ. Uh, and and then Amen. we have to be patient. We have to be willing to walk it through. We have to be the Abraham that believes I'm going to have a kid at 100. We have to believe th- uh, like Noah that says, I'm building the boat knowing rain's coming even though it's never rained. You know, yeah. uh, the Moses who's like, I'm going to take the people out of Israel or out of Egypt. I just have no idea when it's going to happen. Right. So you just right. always have to put one foot in front of the other, whether you're walking left right backwards forwards upside down whatever it is yeah. there is a definitive plan you just have to stay to it yeah and 
and during you know quarantine and COVID and all this, I mean, like, oh it, man, it's it's taught. I'm sure it's taught you as well. Like, it's taught me a lot of things just about ministry. And I shared with you because yep. we talked on the phone a few weeks back, just like these things that I probably should have been doing, but I wasn't I doing them. And, I get it. And COVID caused me to do them. And so right. Lin- Lindsay uh, constantly, she's like, every time we're like just in the season, she's like, I always go back to the Israelite children. And she's yes. like, that was, that should have been a two week journey. That's if right. they would have That's stayed right. the course. And like you said, yes. had the mind of Christ, it was a two yep. week journey and it was 40 years. That's right. Because That's right. the zigzag that you talk about. That's right. That's so it's right. Like if, if we'll put God first, over anything that we've talked yes. about today, whatever anybody's listening yep. is talking about. If he's first, then right. all this stuff will work itself out. That's right. And, That's and right. it's just, it's hard It's hard to do as humans. It's it is hard, hard to, do, to do. I had somebody tell me the other day, he's like, you know what? You're in the middle of the river right now. You've swam halfway across. So you can either decide to swim back to the shore you were mm-hmm. at, or you can just decide to finish it and swim the other half to get to the other side, which is your ultimate destination. What are you going to do? And so on those days when you're feeling like I'm ready to give up, well, great. You're just you're just going to take the same amount of effort to get back as you would have to take going forward to complete the journey. So yes. just complete the journey. So Yes, dude, you're right. Um, this has been amazing. And one thing, <laughs> if like seriously, I told you, you never, I never know where these are going to go. And, you know, speaking right. of taking a step this is a new endeavor for me uh sure and I think absolutely you are our seventh episode and i never thought i'd even get i to love seven it episodes man um dude so, let me tell you when you hit the 70th or the 700th it's going to be so much fun to look back and be like man those first 80 really were terrible oh you know my gosh I'm, I'm already it's just gonna it be amazing point, like, mm. <laughs> but but here's what i have to say before i let you go because i know you have a lot going on um, the thing I've always appreciated about you is, you know, from the beginning, even till now, like you've, you've just kind of always been there. If you don't hear from me for a few years, I know that I can like text you and like you always Absolutely. have been kind to answer questions for me or sometimes just to listen to me rant and get angry. Um, and, and you've done that <laughs> I get for me. It, I get and, it. And you, in the beginning, were always kind to us. Lindsay told me, she's like, please remind David of, like, I, we were doing something, and Renee took her shopping and went out, and yes, they, like, they looked yes. at rugs or something. I don't, I remember what it was, but she was like, Renee was so nice to it. me. And so, yeah. like, we, like, I love you. We love your family. I love uh, you, too. I'm just yeah, glad absolutely. that you are still David. You know what I mean? Like, all of this, <laughs> like life, you're still David. Well, you're still the same guy that I. You're met. very kind. I, but I, yeah. but I do mean it, man. And so I, I yeah. have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. And uh, well, thank we talked you. about thank some you. good stuff, man. So uh, we did. We'll have to yeah. do another one because you know, even now as you're you're wrapping up, I'm like, oh, we could have talked about this, this, and this, and this based right? on the last two minutes here. You know, right. so right. we'll have there's to so, do it again. There's so many ways we go. So guys, uh, I am Matt. This is David Browning. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in and keep listening. All right. Have a good one.